0: Heralds of Tiamat, Dragon's Assault. The Farron fixtures and company were in a tight place, dragons to the front and dragons to the back, all with breath weapons, dangerous poison, acid, and colds, even force breath. The creatures were all different types of dragons, cave dragons, drakes of the paluda, and wasteland dragons, and even a chromatic young white dragon. This uh, conflict seemed to be more than they can handle, and Atrafei made a quick decision to flee down towards the southern area of the tunnel, hopefully dealing with the White Dragon on the way and escaping with their lives. The travel was difficult, and a Brass Dragon came in to provide some assistance. There seemed to be plenty of Draugr to provide that assistance as well, but not enough to what would be considered a survivable outcome. The whole party, the favorite Fixtures, Liked living, so they decided to flee while they could While the Durgar and the grass dragons fight the dragons behind As they continued down the tunnel for several hours Hoping to reach the location that they were searching for They ended up coming upon another dragon A young wasteland dragon Having a scary conflict with the one before They were not too keen on a older, more dangerous version. Atrophy made it clear that the Wasteland Dragons are quite tough and that their force damage is very dangerous. They're usually quick-witted and violent. They have almost no qualms with killing smaller or weaker creatures and have no reason to aid them or even provide any type of passage. This creature seemed to be feasting on a giant's corpse as the the field... before them was filled with corpses of giants that were recently murdered likely by this dragon and others as they uh attempted to sneak by the dragon did uh catch whiff of them and uh this was unfortunate because the rest of the group was attempting to sneak by quite admirably but too many of them uh created what you would consider noise As the dragon became aware and uh, reached the top Vistari tried to make a final plea A moment of hope to appeal to the creature's base instincts That they are not good food But uh, little did she know the base instincts of this creature was to Well, torture other living things And eating was only when it felt like it Uh, Not being happy with this and seeing the creature coming in for an impending attack, the party began to scatter. But before they could, the ground shook and danger seemed to become even more apparent. Out of nowhere, these massive worms bursted out of the ground and the air, nearly hitting everyone, even Scrapshot who was flying. Thankfully, they didn't seem to be the target as the wasteland dragon was hit by a massive creature. They were also accompanied by these disgusting, horrific-looking tentacle-like worm creatures. These uh, humanoid creatures seem to have no discernible speech that the group can immediately recognize, but based on a quick Scrap insight, Scrap determined that they were likely a creature that was more or less hunting the dragons that were in the current situation. As they uh, were glad to not be enemies, they did manage to create a type of, how you say, mutual understanding, as Vistari spoke with the... The creature barely managing to keep her sanity as the creature's alien mind uh, entered hers in a speech. Guttural and sounding of like writhing creatures. As they managed to create this communication and ask for passage, the creature asked where there was more dragons. And the worm gate chased down the way that the party came. Glad to be out of that situation, they headed farther and deeper down into... The, the tunnels, hopefully reaching the gates of which uh, they were told about quite some time ago there's no guarantee that they would be able to find what they're looking for, but as they came closer and closer to what sounded like a conflict massive sounds started going off, blasts and explosions as light flickered into existence in bright flashes cannonballs being shot pretty much haphazardly at anything crossing the entrance of this massive cave it was a mayhem pandemonium there was death everywhere dragons drakes giants hobgoblins the defenders and the attackers slaughtering each other wholesale in this passageway where cannonballs were being shot indiscriminately into the the field of conflict. The party reaching this realize that they have one final area to cross and they don't know if they'll all make it out alive. As they engage the battle with the, the, the Chul there and the Umber Hulk, they hope that they'll make it across this field of death. We'll find out what happens next time on Heralds of Tiamat, breaching the Gates. Heralds of Tiamat, breaching the gates. The Farron Fixers and company were put in a dangerous position. Their goal in sight seemed to be guarded by various giants and hobgoblins, all firing various types of ammunition and cannon fire into the hallway that seemed to be jam-packed with the corpses of both the dragon aggressors and the defending giants of the Undercity. The battle seemed to be more or less not focused on them, but as they gotten deeper into it, they ran into some hulks and Cholls that weren't necessarily wiped out by the cannon fire. The battle raised, and they realized that there's going to be more of them, and this combat will last hours yet. They needed to reach the gates. Heading down and further, some of the group decided to split at some of the pitfalls towards the center of the death Wall, And as they split up, Atrophay decided to take the lead against some dragon war mage elementalists. These creatures seem to have dangerous abilities such as lay bolts and lava stone flinging that did fire and force damage. These creatures seem to be cave and tidal forms of these wormages, doing cold damage and poison damage with their breath weapons. These uh, dragonborn were most certainly enemies and harrowed the adventurers, not killing any but nearly bringing them to their full stop during their flight. Finally, being able to escape them and then travel deeper into the last leg of the conflict, there was even more dragons—white dragons, wasteland dragons, cave dragons. All attacking various giants. Hopefully, if they were able to manage the cannon fire that was being blasted out and those dragons, they would be able to escape deeper into the city and hopefully get to their location on time. As they... ...began to travel and making decent headway and coming to some conclusions that they are just going to have to bolt as soon as they can. They managed to avoid most of the dragons as they were engaged with the giants, and speaking with the giants who didn't seem to care if they passed by or not, not seeing them as any real threat and focusing all their energy on the dragons they managed to get to the edge of the gate and as they crossed the threshold they were able to find a hobgoblin who said well if you're looking to try to escape best go to the reserves the city is still under siege and if you go that way you'll be in more conflict the group trying to make a hard decision whether or not to wait out the, the raid and hopefully not miss their appointed time and go to these reserves or to head for the city and possibly engage in conflict. Safety won out and they decided to go check out the reserve. Traveling down a winding tunnel and uh, running into various strange oddities, they uh, they ran into some skeletons. Not just any skeletons. Lots of them. An entire battalion or legions worth. Cackling. Cackling and laughing to themselves. As the as the Farron fixtures approached the group and tried to figure out what was uh, so funny, they all realized they were telling terrible puns and jokes to each other. Having uh, no idea how, what's going on or why they're so jovial when just a minute or two away the the gates were being breached by massive adult dragons of the cave water cave, winter and wasteland variety, they decided to appease these skeletons. As they did notice their arrival, one of them, soon to be known as Barry White, was asking them that in order to get into the reserves they have to tell a pun. Either about themselves or about the skeletons. They don't care which. As long as they get a good laugh, they'll let you in. Various party members were able to tell significantly decent puns and funny ones, some a little too highbrow for the skeletons to get, but they still laughed. Uh, However, Vistari and Atrophy seemed to have a hard time with the idea of humor and were doing their best to figure it out together. Atrophy decided to go with a gag instead of a pun, and uh, had Vistari turn into a dogma, a hideous underground creature with some interesting frills for her mouth, put said dogma on her head, and proceeded to do flashy hand gestures, or jazz hands, which uh, definitely got the roarest laughter out, and with various intrigue after. Now entering the bone reserve, they realize that it is a complete... The Sparebone Reserves is a complete uh, undead military legion that is essentially waiting to be called upon if the raid happens to proceed even farther down the way, which is where they came. Hopefully, uh during their short rest, they won't have to participate in any conflict, but these uh undead creatures seem to be more shy and more fun than uh, undead traditionally are. We'll see how it goes next time on Heralds of Tiamat, Alistair's Game. Heralds of Tiamat, Alistair's Game. The Farron Fixers and company, finally uh, having their laughs and some amount of levity from the Spare Bones Reserve, headed out to Sumerian City to discover that the city is quite as dangerous as uh, they say. There are various creatures about of all incredibly horrific CR levels as well as massive cultural differences. These creatures vary from Draugr to various mind flayers to undead of the lich variety and the high-end ghoul variety. Giants of all class to Storm to Hill, each uh, looking more dangerous and more surly than the last. The large group uh, managed to navigate their way through the city without too much issue, just so stepping on a couple of people's toes, thinking that he can uh, have a good time in this city, and realizing that he's more likely to be someone's good time than have a good time himself. Uh, running into some ghoul imperials, they uh, manage to get some directions to the Villain's Bazaar, where Oki and the Emperor is uh, residing. As the party managed to enter the Villain's Bazaar, realizing the scale of the creatures that were around and the danger that they were in that stepping on the wrong foot or crossing the path of a certain creature could get them killed they uh, decided to travel warily they ran into a strange ghoul beggar who seemed to consume uh, coins in some regard a group of imps that were funny and playful but not interested in people who just like to gawk and make friends they're there to make money or contracts depending on a what you're trying to have them do. So they finally ran into. The. Monsters for Hire. Facility where the Emperor and Oki. Were overlooking the Villains Bazaar. As they were there. They managed to. Enter dialogue with Oki. Who uh, then proffered. The Emperor to. Explain what they were going to do. Apparently they were to uh, search out the proprietor of the Devil's Advocate Bar. Uh, this uh, bar is at the edge of the Villain's Bazaar and is owned by a man named Alistair. Alistair is a very powerful devil and sits on the council and uh, has come up with the mission that the Farron Fixers will be doing for the Zentarum. So, heading straight there and reaching the Devil's Advocate, hearing a familiar tune from a one master bait, the group enters the the tavern to immediately be met with silence and anger in uh master bates's realizing that they survived his his plans and his foibles and his attempts to keep them from reaching this location he is glad to see that they uh, managed to get his gifts which the party figures is the cursed items that they uh grabbed onto but as uh they do arrive and settle in and manage to get acquainted with the area they meet a very strange looking but very uh very powerful-looking um, adventurer who is also part devil, and um, this person tells them that Alistair is uh, probably going to show up if they chant for him, and uh, which then ensued on an incredibly intense moment where the rest of the the tavern started calling for Alistair who came in in a very flashy way from a pit in the ground in a very cartoonish fashion but uh, ended up causing horrific and terrible illusions to be imprinted upon the mind and physically along the entire facility uh, some of the Fan-fixtures uh, felt that they might have lost a part of their sandy wall to be to comprehend this creature. But uh, despite his cartoonish appearance, he is most certainly a horrific and dangerous devil. And uh, him saying that the only reason why he looks like this is because he actually lost or was tricked into a contract that forced him to look like this. He still has the soul of the eternal burning creature, but contracts are final. And uh, he doesn't know a way to get out of it yet. But that's not why he, he... They were there to see him. They were there to learn about their mission. Their mission was to go to the Prison Cube. A dangerous place deep inside the Underdark... Below Helm's Hold Which is northeast of Neverwinter It's actually no longer a hold It's a ruin run by the dragon cult And the person they're looking for Is somebody who is associated With Alistair This man is needs to either Invoke the third pact So that Alistair can take his soul And retrieve him wherever he is Or the Farron Fixers are tasked To save him from the prison cube And bring him back to Alistair in the Underdark. Now, there are some dangers and worries about this, and they were asked about a time frame. They were given until Kythorn, which is 70 weeks from today, to essentially, not 70 weeks, but 70 days from today, to essentially complete this mission. It's just a little over two months. As uh, they disassumited themselves and realized that they really don't have a choice, but at the very least were given a decent time frame, they started to plan they asked Alistair various questions about the world around them, as well as some intrigue. Uh, Alistair is an information broker and is willing to sell information about certain people to uh, the and Fixers if they have the coin for it, or if they're interested in making a contract. However, uh, the Ghoul Emperor, uh, Darkul, uh, has made an edict until well, they are effectively done with their mission. They're not allowed to make contracts with any of the creatures of the Underdark and Sumerian in their control. So... That opportunity was a little away from them. But, upon coming to those conclusions and figuring out what to move forward next, they decide to go shopping, use the money that they had and whatever they had left to effectively continue on in their journey and figure out how they're going to leave the Underdark and complete this mission, as well as report to Aldor up north in Waterdeep about their success. So, they go and explore the... Villain's Bazaar, running into Anathema's Wonder Emporium, which is a very expensive magic shop, but checks out for prices of very nice and very serious magic items. He seems to have one of everything and can get you something if you ask for it. Then they went to Mad Maggie's, a surly old grandmotherly woman who uh, is good at removing curses, tinkering items and modules, as well as creating things on the fly. She is expensive, but worth it. Realizing that they're not too in the money area, the variant fixers now know how how beneficial the villain's bazaar would be. They decided to go to a place that's a little bit more affordable, the brutal tools and supplies. They sell weapons and items and the basic supplies that you need in a little brutal fashion. Uh, it seems like they're giants who uh, torture and kill people who are found in Sumerian and or around the surrounding area, and take their things. And it's essentially a a store that sells stolen and or uh, loot from various killed creatures. Uh, They are uh, quite reasonable and uh, had some decent pricings on weapons that were mildly magical, but not necessarily magical in nature. They also had uh, any type of item that would be useful for what would be considered exploration or activities or things like that. Upon uh, getting those items and leaving brutal tools and supplies and heading for Motsu's cave, the group uh, found out that in Motsu's cave there were some squatters, and those, uh, those squatters were very, very curious. They were lizard people, lizard men. Uh, Motsu immediately gained some amount of kinship. The only reason why they were there is because they sensed or smelled Motsu's being there, but they were from a different type of group. And, uh, as most of you found out, have a much more adverse feeling against magic. As far as what's going to happen next, we'll find out what happens next time in the Sumerian City. Okay, cool. Heralds of Tiamat. Sumerian City. The Farron Fixers and, uh company were attempting to figure out what they were going to do next. They needed a way out of the city and they needed to prepare. Going back into Sumerian city is the first thing to do, but uh, part of the party, Cat in particular, was not necessarily at full strength and needed another long rest in order to recover from their endeavors out into the city alone. The Farron Fixers are aware that traveling alone is dangerous, so half the group went to go to recover supplies, as well as materials and information about how they can escape, while the other half stayed behind with cats to protect the cave, as well as do some exploring and uh, some nature harvesting. Upon some successful rolls and uh, checks, they managed to get a couple more interesting pieces of uh, food and uh, moss. And uh, upon cats' wake, they uh, learned quite a bit about... uh, the world of Sumerian City and how it functions. There's a council of 12. 12 uh, creatures that represent the various beings classified as monsters or creatures in Sumerian City. And everything from celestials to fiends, these creatures and these council members are effectively not the strongest members, but the most influential in their caste as uh the rest of the party was finishing a cat 's long rest, and uh, so managed to do a beautiful painting of his wife and uh, Vistar m o two were cooking up some uh delicious riffle bark, the rest of the party, Zephyr scrap shots, and others were shopping for more or less. They uh went to brutal tools and supplies and bought food, bought tools and interesting items for cold weather. They traveled to Tespins copulent cuisine, which seems to be a very uh, touchy troll who uh, finds himself to be a chef and believes that people should eat the best they can find, not just the scraps lying around. His food, while expensive, was uh, moderately good for you and uh, might have some effects depending on the ingredients he gave. There's a couple of the things that they uh, purchased throughout the city, but uh those were the two major things that they went through. The Scrapshaw went back to Maggie's to get a a new pistol, a palm pistol. That was uh, successful in finding and uh, purchasing. As uh the group decided to start heading back after their escapades in the In the Sumerian city, they met up with a party on the way back who seemed to have reached them just in time. The long walk uh, precipitated them to start heading back, and they decided to go to the Ruler's Roost, which is a location not too far from the center of the city, and apparently where the council members wait. Apparently, uh, the Beast Counselor is the one Vestari and Motu think that they have the best chance of petitioning for these writs of Passage. A writ of, a writ of Passage essentially allows you to travel in and out of Sumerian City via magical means without any issue. And they are indeed permanent. However, they do cost quite a bit and usually are personal favors given by the counselors themselves. So, waiting to petition the counselor, they uh, stood in line. For about 8 hours, it was a really long wait in line with various beasts, creatures, and other uh, slightly less intelligent beasts. They uh, managed to make it to uh, the front of the line with a frog and a tabaxi woman who explained the situation, that they can uh, petition for this writ of passage in about 310-day, which is about 30 days from now. The group was not interested in waiting that long, understanding that, well... The Beast Counselor does have their time and that they have to do what they need to in order to get people to wait. So they asked if there was a way to expedite the process. And there is. Uh, The Frog made it clear that it's dangerous and that it's a mission given to the petitioners by the Counselor. And there's no guarantee that they'll survive it. Uh, taking the risk and uh, knowing that they could turn it at any time, they decided to take this mission. The mission was to be uh, research subjects for an Exantar, a lich in the Enchanted Towers. As the and Fixers traveled up into this tower, uh, seemingly using the small stone given to them by the frog that will get them back to go see the counselor, if they manage to survive the encounter, and also inform Exanthar that they are his new research subjects, they will uh, get up there, and as they got up there, they uh, discover that the place is very magical. It is an enchanted fortress made from head to toe in enchanted material, as well as scrollwork, runes, and spells among the like. Uh, Exanthar is a lich, a very powerful one, and a very old one. (laughs) And uh, upon seeing the fair fixers uh, breaching his threshold in his doorway, he decided to pick two of them out since uh, they seem to be his research subjects. He uh, pulled Jisoo and Vishtari into his room, closing the door behind them, and uh, talking to Vishtari and Jisoo in private. This conversation was uh, interesting. Jisoo, uh was offered a chance to do something with his patron, and he decided that it was worth the risk. And Vistari was asked to help, just so, achieve this goal in the way that Ixanthar chooses. Vistari, seeming to have no compunction or worry about doing what the Lich asks and wanted to see the Beast Counselor herself, she decided to go through with it. What transpired beyond the door, and in a different plane of existence, was traumatic. Traumatic to the point where both Jasso and Vishdari have uh, gaps or lapses in memory and have either squirreled it away themselves and or will not talk about it. They may be aware or unaware, but as they came out the threshold of the party, uh, with Scrapshot gone in frustration due to the lack of involvement and worry of the party traveling to a tavern, the rest of the group was stunned that, uh... Vistar and Jisoo went through as being research subjects and were given back to Stone. Xanathar said that that's all he needed from them and that they have successfully passed their mission and that they can return to the Beast Counselor to determine if they're able to petition for this writ of passage. They uh, now head back to Ruler's Roost to determine if uh, the Beast Counselor, also called Nameless, Will grant them writs of passage, or will there be another mission or trial to uh, overcome? We'll find out next time on Nameless and Escape. Heralds of Tiamat, the Nameless and Escape. As the and Fixers traveled back to the ruler's roost and uh, got permission from the frog secretary to see the nameless they were informed that there will be having a guide a cat tabaxi uh, named cat Claw, who will lead them uh, to the best of their ability without much assistance through the trial and a tribute that must be given to the nameless before the meeting upon entering the room they uh, were presented with a puzzle of sorts A set of circular rooms that rotated at the flick of a switch. And a strange set of songs they seem to be playing. Apparently The Nameless is a dabbler in music, and is not very good at it, but it entertains them to have fun. They said until their music is done, uh, they uh, will be waiting. If they don't manage to finish... Before their music is done, then they uh, will be frowned upon. Let's look at their meeting, but uh, if the music is over, they will be a little upset. As the Fern Fixers decide to take this opportunity to enter the gore-ridden puzzle, they discover there's various types of things in this location. A table full of food, skeletons both bare-boned and filled with skin, meat, and blood. There was armor and uh, interesting bags of uh, the devouring variety, which a uh, cat learned the hard way not to turn inside out without permission and lost a foot. And uh, lots of other interesting uh, doors and traps and things that were particular. Nothing that could kill them outright, but they uh, felt uh, that uh, this place was definitely more dangerous than it seemed. As uh, the frame fixtures managed to finally reach the end and uh, the Ending in itself, they uh, entered what seemed to be uh, the nameless royal throne room. Upon entering the throne room, they uh, were greeted by various creatures of uh, the bestial variety and all types uh, leading along on both sides of the throne room. As they uh, crossed, they were asked for tribute by each beast. Some were not satisfied, and some were. Uh, The tribute seemed to be just as much as a puzzle as the room before, which had all the tributes laid across the various spinning puzzle doors. Upon finally reaching the end of this uh, long tribute walk, they were greeted by two massive wolves that demanded tribute for the Nameless and to be placed on the throne. Uh, the Farron fixtures found it strange that a human throne would be used for what would be considered the Beast Counselor of the Ruler's Roost. And uh, they were a little conf- confused on how to do it. Some thought to maybe perform music because, well, they seemed to enjoy performances. Others thought to uh, go and sit on the table, on the throne. But uh, Motu and Bex decided to have a a fight over the throne. And while this conflict was going on in strain of uh, magical happenings during that, the Nameless themselves, a uh, Tessimir cat, a winged cat to be specific, floated down and decided to watch the on, uh, onset of chaos. For quite some time, the animal seemed to be obstinate while at the same time playful. It uh, finally took tribute as Zephyr managed to sit on the throne and paralyzed him, sitting in his lap and using him as a chair. It seems that the throne was meant for whatever creature sat in it, but the person sitting in it was actually the seat of the Nameless. As the Nameless uh, discussed with the fixtures about their situation and their desires to return back to the surface, the Nameless provided them a mission. They would send them to the surface once, and they effectively would have to go and bring back a specific item, artifact to be specific, called the Scratch Post. An interesting object that they left behind in the Silent Sound Lighthouse. They uh, have a friend who's going there so they might be able to pop by, but they are understood that they have to bring this scratch post to the Nameless before they help Alistair with his problem, or at the very least do not help Alistair before they help the Nameless, even if it's within hours. So, this uh, being a mild conflict of interest and causing some uh, inter-party dialogue, they uh, were trying to discover how they can get rid of Passage from the Nameless. The Nameless says if they do this for them, they'll be considered for future associations that could lead to a writ of Passage, but for now, this first mission is uh, what is needed. Parent fixtures accepting this, uh, decided to try to head out, but realized the Nameless isn't that type of counseling. Uh it asked them to stay where they are until they were dismissed as the creature was steadily and ponderously watching them kneading at uh, Zephyr's legs and having a, a time of itself in its own time it finally dismissed the group as a whole and sent, sent them away to Exanter who will be sending them back to Waterdeep in uh, however fashion he plans to during that time, the foreign fixers have quite a bit of downtime, as it takes a little bit of a while to travel, roughly 20 hours of it, most 16 of it mostly being travel, and the other, well, 12 of it, 14 of it mostly being travel, and the other 6 of it being miscellaneous things that they plan to do before leaving the Sumerian city. We'll see uh, what happens next time with the Heralds of Tiamat, the real Lord's Alliance.